You burst through the door, you find a small room filled with gold and jewels, and a red dragon. He starts to breathe. Save or die! Welcome to the Save or Die podcast, a podcast about classic Dungeons and Dragons. If it's in a box, we'll talk about it. Adventure number 29 for the Save or Die podcast. We are back yet again. Yay. We're, not, <laughs> we're not pod fading like people think we were, so ha. <laughs> With a full crew. We got a full crew tonight, folks. That's right. You got me, your wonderful host, DM Vince, sounding much better than he did last week. And as usual, we have DM Glenn. No applause. Just throw money. Thank you. Yeah, all right. And DM Mike, who will hopefully stay this whole time. Ha ha. <laughs> and back by popular demand, or Thorcammer, is DM Liz. <laughs> all, all you need is Thorcammer. I mean, right. really. <laughs> That's true. And joining us via satellite, DM Crispy. Soon, I will launch the lasers from my moon base and destroy you all. Yeah, right. Okay. We're all on your own so. Death Star. <laughs> this, this may be our last recording, then. So is it is it a semi evil Death Star? Right. So anyway, uh, uh, Glenn, do we have any emails this week or no? Uh, funny you should ask. We have one email. Great, and it's from Heath Rowe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't cool. pick them. I don't pick the names, folks. I just read them. Okay. He says, Vince, Mike, Glenn, Julie, Crispy, etc. I don't remember an etc. on the show, but Aww, okay. Aw, Liz is etc. Oh. <laughs> he just spelled it funny, that's all. That means okay. I'm special. Yes. He says, just a quick email to see how much I enjoy listening to your podcast. I don't listen to every episode or in order, but I enjoy it a bunch. It's the only podcast I listen to, which doesn't actually mean anything, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I we're think- the best. At what we do. One, all right. I grew up playing the original Red Box, graduated to AD&D, and stopped playing roughly when 2nd Edition came out. I just got back into gaming with 4E because my son's now 7, because of D&D Encounters. Enjoying 4E's newness in some ways rather alien, but still interested in dabbling with older game systems. AD&D, 1E, Rollmaster, Palladium, etc. Your podcast helps me feed that need. Question for the show. Do you also play older TSR games like Star Frontiers, Blue Hill, Top Secret? I'd be interested in your take on the new Gamble World versus the original Gamble World. So thanks, Heathrow, Los Angeles. Um, Go around the table. Start with you, Glenn. Um, I don't have them, so no. I would be play if I had them. I would be at least tra- attempting to play like uh, Gangbusters. That's my po- poison of choice for that. How about you, Vince? Well, Glenn, um, Tato. yes, I do have Top Secret. I not really played Top Secret, but I have played Top Secret, so I do love Top Secret. I do not have the original Gamma World. I have one of the editions of it, but I can tell you it's a lot better than the fourth edition D&D rules of Gamma World. Stay away. 
<laughs> Crispy. Well, I uh, aside from D&D, I've been wanting to play Top Secret for a while because it sounds really fun, but I've never gotten a chance to. Probably because, you know, when I was alive, I don't think they made it anymore. When you were alive? You're you not were alive? alive anymore. Well, well, like, because I was born at the tail end of the 80s. Well, you just said when was... you were alive, so is that like in yeah. quotes or... Uh, uh, he was teething uh, uh. on the top secret box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I, I got to disagree with Vince. I've uh, I own the the D and D four E Gamma World. It's it's not that bad. I think it's fun. And if you like, as long as you don't take it seriously, like if you play it as a game that's meant to be kind of wacky, I like it. That's any it, Gamma. I, World. I was going to say that was the original <laughs> Gamma World. <laughs> it yeah, works really. with uh, the power system and. Since you're you're in hyper time and you're constantly in flux between which uh, like string you're vibrating on, so the different powers that you get make sense within the uh, the context of it. Yeah, stay away. Anyway, <laughs> it's like the McLaughlin group. You know, he asks yeah. everybody everyone's opinion and then tells you what the consensus is. Regardless yes, of what, what Glenn, you said. did you did say that a while ago, didn't you? Yeah, I said we're like the McLaughlin group of role players. <clears throat> Yeah. Issue number 31. <laughs> I ask you, Eleanor, what do you think of Gamma World? What do you think, Pap Buchanan? <laughs> number two. Anyway. Glenn is our what do you Pap think Buchanan. Of, what do you think of Gamma World? I yeah. hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And the answer is, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's head over to uh, Michael. Michael, what do you think? I have not played Gamma World, Boot Hill... Or top secret in probably fifteen to twenty years. I wanted to play some Boot Hill uh, about a year or so ago, but as I got more into the game, I realized how clunky it was. It, this it, is the original Boot Hill, by the way. Yeah, the Bloom Brothers um, born. Yeah, yeah, the original Bloom Brothers. Ugh. And I mean, it's not bad, but it's very obviously. It's clunky and it's very miniatures. You know, it's obviously it's it's a miniatures game you're supposed to play with. You know, you, I, your figure is just a gunman shooting people. Yeah, that's yeah. all it is. Um, which is a pity because I thought it had some possibilities there that were never really investigated enough. We have signed up for Metamorphosis Alpha at the North Texas RPG Con, which is sort of the precursor to Gamma World, and. It's Gamma World just on a starship rather than on a planet, so kind of very Red Dwarfy. Hmm. I actually asked Jim Ward what he thought of Red Dwarf, and since it seems very much Metamorphosis Alpha, he he said it didn't really bother him. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, top Secret, you know, I'd love to play those again if they were available. You know, somebody else would run them, but I <laughs> don't really want to run them. <laughs> I I have top secret. I, I wouldn't mind running it once in a while. Could I? But could I, I want to play it in the eighties? Because I think it's a very you know I I think the game system itself is really set up for the you know West versus communist. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. James yeah. Bondian kind of. Well, you that know, was or maybe Spectre on occasion. You know, I'd rather that, that... play it in the sixties, though. Yeah, I was going to say sixties would work too. Isn't yeah. Top Secret meant for the sixties, and SI was meant more for the Cold War era? I never saw SI. I never really read it, but yeah. I, I would say, well, sixties was Cold War era too. So. Well, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, I, I guess more James Bondian would be sixties. 
I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, either one would work great. Or 70s if you want to play Austin Powers. Yeah, baby! <laughs> well, Austin was 60s, wasn't he? Well, 60s, he started 70s. out there, anyhow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Guys, Austin Powers was the 90s. Late 60s. Ah, oh, crispy. No, no, he was from the 60s, crispy. Yeah, but he solved his mysteries in the movies in the 90s. Yeah, but we're not. But he's right. yeah. Hey, Liz. Liz, what are you doing back there? <laughs> well, <laughs> I have played Star Frontiers, Gamma World, Top Secret. Never did play Boot Hill, but that's more because, you know, when the games were out, I really didn't have that much of an interest in westerns. Um, I've got more of an interest now as I'm older, but. You know, I don't own the game, so I have never played Boot Hill. Um, I really have enjoyed all of the older games. Um, don't have the current 4th edition Gamma World, so I really can't give a critique on how the original Gamma World compares to the current one. Although, from what Crispy has said, it sounds like the flavor of Gamma World has been maintained from the first to the current edition. Um, it was always pretty tongue-in-cheek and sort of almost B-movie-ish in some ways. You've got some bizarre things going on, to say the least. Kind of a Zardos sort of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, they're all great games. I really enjoyed all of them. Um, Star Frontiers and Gamma World, while they're both science fiction, they've definitely got a different feel to each of them. Um, with Star Frontiers, I always had more of a, shall we say, an, an 80s Buck Rogers and the 25th Century TV series feel to it. I always got more of a 50s, 60s, you know, sci-fi. Well, that too. You know, Rocky and Winky kind of battle the evil. <laughs> Evil underpants of the universe kind of feel to it, with the uh, like the uh, diver helmet, space helmets. Yeah, the, yeah, the and everything style. has fins, and you know, that's oh, the ray yeah. guns are like a they're like a prong with a circle, and then there's like a, a ring around it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, a lot of things had fins in the '80s redo of Buck Rogers too. That is yeah. true. That is and, true. And also a. Um, the 80s Flash Gordon movie. I was going to say, you could probably play Flash Gordon. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was thinking Flash Gordon, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Vince? Yes? Can I add an addendum to what I said earlier? And I think you'd back me up on this. If we, were, if we could be playing it, we'd be playing Marvel superheroes, too. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I have, like, Marvel every friggin' box of... Ugh. I forgot to tell you, a Mepicon gun. I picked yeah. up... Um, the whole entire box set for the Marvel superheroes. Really? The core book, the box set, all the maps and all the little cutouts inside of it. Ooh. It was ten bucks. I used bad. to have that. I think I got rid of it. Not bad, not bad. I would love to play Marvel Super. No one wants to play it. Everyone's like, oh, Marvel Super for babies. I didn't have a problem with the system. What I had a problem with is the at least the original box set that came out had very poor rules for creating your own characters. Oh, the yellow one? That was the basic. Oh, yeah. It came out with the advanced after that, and they fi kind of fixed that and cleaned yeah, it up. Yeah, okay. The advanced I mean, I didn't is the one have a problem yeah. with the mechanics. It's just the way you make characters is pretty whack. I'm, 
I'm with you. I used to have the yellow box, and I'm going, what is it? I, well, then again, I play I just don't like random rolling up for superhero powers. Um, yeah. V had a system to do that as well at one time, and I eh, that's a well, you can with the advanced Marvel superheroes. You can. It says right in the book. It says roll, or if you want, just pick. Hmm. But but with powers that range from dare I say feeble to class one thousand. Gee, I oh, wonder what a mean, lot of players are going to pick. No, that that was a, that was well, based upon whatever. Yeah. <laughs> There's the balancing factor that with great power comes great responsibility. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. That works yeah. Who did you game with? Yeah. <laughs> With great mustache comes great mustache responsibility. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so that's great the email. Taxi. That's our emails. Awesome. And if you want to email us, you could uh, write to Thacos. Oh, whoops, sorry. Hope we My... sort of answered your question, Heathrow. <laughs> SaverDiePodcast at gmail.com. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. And now let's get on to a very important announcement. Dun 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 dun. It's time for a contest. Let me get, let me get my comb and, and tissue out. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> that was a comb and tissue. Puppy. I should have gotten the power. Well, I use toilet paper. It doesn't quite work as well. So, you yeah. Puppy power, crispy. That's what that was. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that, that set of notes was. Oh. I got that off the Flintstones. What are you talking about? Anyway, what we, what's the announcement, Vince? We have a contest coming up. Really? Yes. Where I send my... Uh... You send your official entries to Glenn at glenn.com. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. Basically, uh, we're going to be giving away what, Mike? A box set of imitations of the Flame Princess. The, I think it's the deluxe edition of it, which comes with the little mini dice and all the little add-ons in it. So, you get your own very you get your own little box set of it. Awesome, huh? We're so excited about it, we can't speak. I know. Bitch. Glenn. What? Not Bad well. Glenn. Bad Glenn. Real, it's bitching, it is. Glenn. Glenn takes 872 points of damage from a falling egg crate. Yes. That's a hell of an egg crate. So, Saver half. It's the concrete egg crate, yeah. We're gonna do we're gonna do this, we're gonna take about let's see, here are the guidelines. I'm just pulling it up right here. Per Professor Mike, because he's gonna be doing all the reading. Uh Oi! Dodge <laughs> to pull out that one, boy. Okay, so what we want you to do is write a uh submit to us a written encounter using a monster published for classic D D as published or monsters. in or monsters is published in TSR Works. Minimum of 400 words. Has to have a one plot hook involving this monster, or NPC pretty much. And submit it to the SaberDiePodcast at gmail.com. I think that's about it. And uh, who's on the judging committee here? It is DM Glenn. DM Glenn and DM Glenn. <laughs> and the winner... DM Glenn. No. <laughs> what are the odds? Yes. Uh, everyone on the Save or Die staff will be considered a judge. We will take the best three, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. The number one person wins the Lamentation of the Flaming Princess, and the runner-ups will get some consolation prizes that we find along the way. 
This is cool. I've never been on the uh, the other end of a judging thing. This is going to be interesting. Each person can submit more than one entry, but only one entry will be considered for one of the prizes. So if you send in four, that's fine, but we won't pick you more than once. So. Offer yeah, we'll pick New the York. best of the four mm-hmm. that we consider best of the four and put it in the running. Offer not valid in Oklahoma. Or New York. <laughs> no. It's valid everywhere in the United States. Uh, actually, I'm going to limit this to United States only. Sorry. So, aloha, guys, but... Uh, I... Cont- continental United States, perhaps we should say. Um, I guess we could, but... do, we could do North America, because I'm not shipping overseas, so... Yeah, but all our friends in Canada... That's not overseas. That's North America. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> Somebody said continental United States. You know, I'm still going oh, on. After, after the Hawaii reference, it's like, you know, ah. shipping to Hawaii would still be pretty pricey for us. That might not be something we could do. Yeah. yeah. Just got to make sure our friends in Canada get a chance. Well, it'd be kind of worthless because if, I, if you're over in, say, I don't know, like Russia, I'd be like more to, <laughs> to ship it to you than it worth. The winner is, is willing to cover airmail costs. I mean, this is a $65 value set here. That's a good idea. No. United States, okay. Canada, okay. Mexico. Australia will talk. Russia, like, okay. write in, because I want to hear from you and your crazy backwards letters. I will put it, crazy backwards letters. I will put this all up on our webpage. It will be listed under contest. No, I want, I want somebody from Japan to win it, just so we get, get one of those, like, English letters. Anyway, <laughs> Glenn does not speak for the, the entire Saber Die podcast crew. Continental <laughs> United States only, folks. Sorry. <clears throat> the thoughts and expressions given by Glenn Houser was not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing. <laughs> no Vinces were hurt during this show. So far. So far. The thoughts and expressions by Glenn Houser was not supported by the Saber Die podcast. What thoughts and expressions? Exactly. Let's move on to Game On. So game on this week. What do we have? Glenn. Who, me? Yeah. yeah. It says alignment, guideline, or absolute. So, guidelines for alignments. When you're playing your alignment as a player, do you think the book is a guideline, or do you think it's the absolute end-all word, that's how you have to play it? Shall we take a poll right here? Sure, let's take a poll right here. Let's start with the youngin. Guideline. Guideline. Michael. Now, this is for if I'm playing or if I'm DMing. You're playing. Playing? Uh, guideline. Liz? Guideline. And Glenn? Guideline. I'm going to say guideline also. Now, why would someone... So, yeah. so the consensus is absolute, right? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In true McLaughlin group fashion. The answer is absolute, Pat Buchanan. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> you were saying why would someone think it'd be an absolute? 
Because I, it's I don't written. know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I think... Oh, whoa. At least when it comes to, say, the Paladin class from original D&D, you know, once you start having classes that have alignment qualifications, mm-hmm. you really start running into, well, it's got to be absolute. At least, you know, more absolute than lawful means you don't kill, you know, small urchins in the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like... Well, I don't kill small <laughs> urchins in the street, so I'm still a paladin. I thought you no, was but a you demon. kill them in the alley, so well, I don't want to upset anyone. I totally, <laughs> I totally thought he was a demon. <laughs> How much experience do I get for the farmer? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. I keep thinking of like, oh, that's a. No, it's a bad analogy. I was going to say, think of the Catholic Church. Uh, but that's a real bad analogy. Well, not another advantage animal. to most of classic D&D is you only have three. Law, neutral, and chaos. Unless and you're by playing, that very yeah. design, it has to be vague. And a guideline. Well, wait a minute. Didn't uh, Holmes have a five-point alignment system? Well, I said most of them. Oh, most of them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, mm. Holmes is more in line with AD&D. Yeah, and original D and D, with some of the later supplements, did get into that as well. Actually, I found out I love three point alignment because I've it gives become you a, a real fan of it myself. Yeah, because they always say, you know, the people have always said, well, they say chaotic's evil and lawful's good. Uh uh-uh. uh no, no, it just yeah. that's your that's your that's your tendency. If you take a lot of fiction at the time, like Paul Anderson's Three Hearts and Three Lions or Moorcock's Amber series, uh-huh. and even a bit in Thieves' World, you know, law is law, chaos is chaos. Now, law tends to be good, chaos tends to be evil, but not necessarily. Right. And the beauty of that is you can have a lawful cleric who may be evil. Yeah. Everybody thinks right. they're good, but they're really evil. Yeah. You know, or something like that. And if you do a no alignment spell, the spell I hate more than anything as a DM. <laughs> well, they're lawful. Yeah. I or mean, they're chaotic. It, it well, what does that mean? A... Nothing. No, Go ahead. no, I was going to say it gives you just enough gray area to make it interesting. Yeah. I started I started thinking, of, thinking like this when I started reading through my Judges Guild stuff where they're going, well... This character is lawful with neutral tendencies or chaotic with lawful tendencies. And it's like all of a sudden the, epif- the epiphany happens. Yeah, I get it. Or in City State of the Invincible Overlord, he's lawful evil with good tendencies. Good tendencies, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. That's the thing is. Like, I mean, short of being schizophrenic, how does that work? Uh, yeah. Anyway. The gelatinous cube is moving fast. <laughs> Closing it. Well, that's what I really like about the alignment system in basic. It's just simple enough that you could play it roughly within the guidelines of it, but still get away with doing crazy things. Right. Yeah, yes. I actually, I, I personally kind of hate the alignment system. Blasphemy. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the alignment system. I think just, just play the character. Disconnect, Crispy. Oh, no. But uh, I, I've always liked. Uh, I've always viewed like uh, basic D and D more like the Elric series of law, uh, like law and chaos. Another, uh, yeah, I forgot being to mention opposing that. The me- that's, yeah, 
Yeah, that's yeah. another perfect example. Right. So you have, like, good... Uh, well, you have Lawful, which is, like, you know, the good peoples of the land, and then you have Chaos, which, you know, you can have your renegade Dristord and wannabe, but usually it's, it's like, Chaos. It's entropy. Everything is trying to kill Chaos. everything. Elric predates Drizzt. Yeah. I know. Way like, predates. I, 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 oh, trust me, I know. And I'm, okay. Just I'm making that clear. Of, I'm a I big mean, fan of the former than uh, than of the latter. Like, uh, I'm, okay. I'm all over Moorcock instead of Salvatore. Mm. Oh, I could say something. Yeah, yeah I, I could say something too, but we're not going to say it. What do yeah. you think, Liz? Hmm. Well, while I've said the, you know, I believe alignment systems should be guideline, um, you know, I do tend to follow more of the Holmes version of alignment um, with the five points. I've never really been able to get into the, you know, the Mincer and other versions where it's just lawful, chaotic, neutral. Um, I like having a little bit more. Um, uh, keep going. I'm not Liz. exactly it's sure just... how to describe it, but yeah, you know, going. I just I just like the the five point system as opposed to the three point system, and I think it's a little easier for people who are new to the game to understand lawful good, chaotic good, as opposed to lawful is lawful equals good, chaotic equals evil, and well, no, not necessarily. And it's like, what? But it says. So I think, there needs to, I think there needs to be, you know, a, a little more of a detailed structure, but you don't have to get, you know, as detailed necessarily as you wind up getting in the AD&D, right. you know, hardbacks. Where you've got, you know, like, you know, 15, you know, sub-alignments plotted out. You know. It's like, no, I, I think the base five is a good happy medium for it. I, I'm thinking maybe that's why in the uh, version that shall not be named, they pulled back to an eight-point alignment system. Probably trying to get back more to that. I thought they got rid of... I, I know they got rid of some stuff, but I thought it was... Oh, that's, that's the one thing that burns me is that whole alignment system for the new unaligned. That's like the yeah, biggest scapegoat alignment to play. I, I could just see everybody going, I'm unaligned. It's chaotic neutral. That's that's all it is. It's chaotic neutral, which is the best alignment. To play. Oh, a party full of crazy people. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's for opting out of having any alignment at all, sounds like. That's what it yeah. is, exactly. So you don't have to yeah. play an alignment structure. Yeah. Right. You could do but whatever I, you want. I'm an unaligned paladin. You know? I'm an unaligned paladin. How do you figure that? No, yeah. the, the paladin. I, I wouldn't fall. allow it. <laughs> it's like no, you got to choose some kind of guideline as to how your character is going to usually react to things. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm yeah. not. I'm not holding with any of that. Well, I can just do whatever I want depending on how I feel at the time. It's like there's going to be a certain tendency of what you tend to do. Yeah. No, no paladins from the Church of the Subgenius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Like, like, I'm very much in the same boat with Mike about, like, if you have, like, if you're playing a druid uh, in, like, AD&D, if you're playing a paladin or anything like that, if you have uh, a class that has an alignment restriction, then it, it should be more 
Absolutely, but I, I I don't think like oh you you uh, are in the same party with someone who's evil. You don't get to be a paladin anymore. Or if you're a druid, you did one too many good deeds and not enough evil deeds this adventure. So now you're not a druid anymore. Oh, I think boy. that's your, your druid this, credit like, card is over uh, is maxed out. You're gonna have to yeah. It's go like kill it seems merchants in the street to kind of compensate. <laughs> Yeah. You did too many good things. Now you have to preserve the balance. Yeah. It's like really draconian, and I don't think it. To me, it doesn't seem fun. Like I, I'm not the kind of uh, DM who, if someone was playing a paladin, like it, once they step out of line, I'm not. I'm not going to be like, oh, you have fallen from grace, and now you can't heal people and go and have a magic horse. <laughs> what? They get all those goodies. They've got to have some negative to it. Well, yeah, but I, I think like, granted the they're not as should... many. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I was going to say I think the I alignment say... should be like a guideline, and not yeah. like yeah. a strict super thing. Because like you can be a good or lawful good in this case character without being like you know everyone else has lawful good character. Yeah, and in original D&D, they just said, you know, the, the bennies they give aren't quite as bad as the ones they later give for AD&D. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I could agree with. If if we were talking AD&D, though, it, it's... But then that's another game. That's another game, another series, another show. That's true. Yeah. I'd re- I really do like the three-point alignment system because it's easier to make something like a Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Rogue with the Heart of Gold or whatever thing. Hot shot first. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> yes, he did. He did. Yes, he did. He did. He did. Okay, so we all agree and on that. And it shouldn't matter anyway. That's right. In fact, I got a copy of D20 Star Wars, and I'd love to throw that three-point alignment in there, see what happens. Yes, we agree. Ew, you said D20. Oh, big um, deal. On that note, let's head over into DMFI. Nope. Sorry. What? Uh, nope. You're wrong. Look it up. I don't have to look it up. It's common knowledge. No. 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 DMPA. Oh, I feel so cleansed. We're over here in DMPA. You should feel cleansed. Crispy, what do we have today? Today we have uh, the D&D Endgame, Retirement or Immortality. Now, I picked this one. Yeah. Because I read uh, of James, was it James over Grugnardia? Yeah, Grugnardia. Did a review of the art, the real cyclopedia. And he talked about them putting back the D&D Endgame, which other versions have forgotten about, which basically it's like, do they have to go to immortality or can't they just retire with a keep or whatever? And the other yeah, ones. I know you guys really talked kind of about this in an earlier episode about uh, reaching ninth level. Name level? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I mean, he's, he's talking about like, uh, you know, when you get to like 20th and plus levels. Now, do you automatically be, have to become a god? Or why can't you just retire? and just retire the character. And a lot of the other versions are going, no, we keep going on and on and on and on and bigger and bigger. And the DM gets, to me, the DM gets worn out after a while. You know, hit the 32nd level. What the hell am I going to throw at him? 
immortality. Yeah, and, well, D&D, unlike AD&D, does have higher level modules, more of them. Yeah, yep. you're going to eventually kind of run out of stuff. And... Yeah. Yeah, and you know, it's like, okay, fine, you killed the Tarask. What's left? The Tarask yeah. is bigger, meaner, older brother. Well, well go ahead. Go go punch out Cthulhu. I'll wait, yeah. When you get to that point and you go for immortality, yeah, I, I've been in that situation. It kind of gets boring because then you're just walking around killing stuff and nothing can stop you, so. Yeah, you turn into Sauron, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And then, yeah. you know, it becomes more of a political thing than anything else. Unless you're a magic user, then you have a shot at lichhood. Woohoo! <laughs> oh boy, ain't that something? I, I, I'm perfectly willing to let a character retire. You know, set up an inn somewhere or a keep or something like that, and just put him as an NPC. Yeah, you know, retirement is. Yeah, Liz. I was just going to say, retirement is my end of choice as well. Yeah. Or even if up. I did have them become a god, they're still retired. Yeah. Especially if they become a god. <laughs> Especially, yes. yes. You've become a god, your character is now an NPC, and subsequent characters can worship you as clerics and stuff. <laughs> you know, that's... <laughs> you're done. <laughs> Time to roll up a new character. You're, yeah, you're too favorite. busy with celestial red tape and dealing with Chen Chen Han in the, the celestial bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah contemplating yeah. your navel. And Low God on the totem pole. They make you try, do all the scut work. Yeah, you're the try, gopher. Try to keep <laughs> Fin Fang Foom chained up and all that. <laughs> <laughs> A deity intern. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is what the field guy for encounters where it's like, you have no choice, you're going to become a god, and then, like, if you survive, like, 95% non-survival rate of becoming a god, well, that's one way to get rid of a character, I guess. But I think I'd that's kind of, kind of terrible, actually. Like, oh, you're going to become a god, whether you like it or not. Roll. Yeah. Oh, you died. It's like, oh, so, well, this, thanks. As this is save god. or die, after all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like, I sure am glad that I spent all of those years getting my character up to this super high level just to have him die. Well, Field Guide from Encounters is really its own game. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. So from a DM point of view, answering these little bullet points we have, do you allow your game to end or do you have the players keep moving up to immortality? Crispy. And I allow it to end. You end yeah, it. You my, say, my last campaign, they retired, and now, like, yeah. one group, one of them took over their father's inn uh, and married. Yeah. And then, like, the other group, they, they all settled down and started a carpentry shop. Oh. So they're still in the campaign world, which I, I think it, it works out nicely because, like, if you're playing in the same campaign world over several campaigns, you can introduce the former uh, PCs as NPCs now and have them interact. And that way, the, the characters aren't dead. They're just retired. They might be a little bit rusty, but you can bring them back if you guys want to play them for, like, old time's sake. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they could always be played as NPCs. Oh, we don't know what the scroll means. Let's go over to the Dusty Griffin over here and talk to what's-his-name, who used to be an adventurer. He knows all about this stuff. With that, yeah. I think you really have to be careful, though, because then it's like, oh, our characters can't figure this out, but our last characters can. Let's go talk to them. And then well, I was thinking of like, like the DM doing, you know, playing them now the, as NPCs. 
Yeah, but Chris was saying they're using them in like a crutch situation all the time. Yeah, I know, I know. That's yeah. why I said, you know, that you know, give, I would give, I would give mine to the DM. Say, here, here's an NPC. Yeah, and if the DM is controlling them, even if the players want to use their old characters as a crutch, you as the DM can say, well, you'd like to be able to talk to, you uh -huh. know, so-and-so, but, you know, they're busy, you know, doing something, you know, lordy, cool. <laughs> and they don't have time for you. You're just going to have yeah. to, you know, deal without them. Yeah. We've got, we got a convention coming in here. I can't, I can't spend the time. That's right. You know, he's gone to the neighboring kingdom to do some kind of parlay with the with the neighboring lords and stuff, so he's not even there right now. You know, there's there's plenty of ways to make sure that they're unavailable so that mm -hmm. you don't always have them on hand. You know, you can trot them out when it suits you, but the players aren't going to be able to constantly go to them. And you know the players are going to go... My character would cut my my new character a special deal. Yeah, yeah. He li he really likes him. Yeah, you know? he does. You uh, <laughs> have all my old stuff since I'm not a drenching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give it you to want, the. You, you want a plus three longsword? Well, you go. You give a character to the DM and says, "My character would do this for my new character." No, he hates his guts now. <laughs> yeah. No, you're starting with a loincloth and a stick. Rat flail. Yeah. <laughs> rat that's tied to a stick. <laughs> Thanks for another image I don't need. <laughs> I do like the idea of having the, the uh, retire and using them as NPCs. Or some, just as something to throw in there. Like, ha, ah, ah, the ranger came back to say hi. Yeah, it's yeah. familiarity for, with, for, for the players, which is nice. And if, they and if they want to find a keep and stronghold and do the political thing, well, you know, maybe that's a a different type of game to run later on, do the kind of yeah. birthright thing. Yeah, um, they they go to the, this king wants him to go uh, to go uh, kill this this orc uprising, but he doesn't want to you know send for him himself. So he'll send one of the former players who's now an ambassador to the king. That kind of thing is an NPC, so they're familiar with him, and he knows kind of knows them, and you know you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, we know what you're saying. Of course you do. <laughs> no, I'm saying. No, I'm saying. Of course yeah. you do. Come on, bird. Yeah, has been very, very good to me. So, so Mike, what about you? Mike, what about you? Let him go to immortality or end the game? End the game. Um, even you know, even though basic technically can cover up to thirty-six level, I never have run anybody. Beyond the t low twenties, yeah, yeah, except for that mandatory, you know, middle school games where everybody had fiftieth and sixtieth level characters, but that was of like yeah. er early nineteen eighties. So you know, yeah. <laughs> I never got to do that, <laughs> but then I tend to get bored with my characters if they become too powerful. I really enjoy playing lower level characters where things are more difficult for them, and there's. There's stuff you can strive for. Mm -hmm. You know, to me and as a player, you get to a point where you can do pretty much anything you want to, and there's nothing left to to look for. Mm -hmm. I have to agree gotcha. with Liz on. I like that. I like my personal best is between one through nine. As a yeah. DM, letting a one through nine because that's the struggle. Mm -hmm. That's when you're building up your character. Once it becomes after nine, it's just be like meh. You're, you, you've got less resources, so you have to use your head. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's why I love DMing one through nine. After that, it just becomes meh. Yeah, I think my Low sweet spot is around seventh level. Yeah. Low level. I was got to know uh, when to hold him and know when to hold him. Know <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> when to uh to run away. Or if you're like There's my f- no walking, just running. <laughs> or if just you're running. like my former group, yeah. doesn't matter what level you are, you threaten every NPC to get your way. But you know. Yep. Then you become a bully. Although I have done that on rare occasions to have experienced, you know, ninth to twelfth level NPCs do like Glenn said and open up a tavern. Just so for those times when the PCs go, we're lo- we're third level, we're gonna basically, you know, browbeat the the owner of the tavern and get whatever we want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You do that. <laughs> he still wears his girdle of storm, uh, frost giant strength, you know. <laughs> he's, he's his own bouncer, so, you know. Pretty much. Yeah. actually had a halfling who wore a girdle of frost giant strength as one of my tavern keepers. Oh, yeah, he was he, a great NPC. When I come up to his lower lip. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick him up by the shoe and toss him out the window. Yeah. We, I, like, imagine he's just Bam Bam from the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. My yeah. answer to this question is I would go all the way. Immortality. Why not? Why? I'd I mean, to, I'd, like to be, I'd like to be able to DM to say I've co- completely brought a whole group from one to immortality. Okay. I think that well, would be good. Like, I think it, it wouldn't be any less fun, but I think you would have to set out with, okay, like, this game, we're playing... You know, till we get to immortality. Okay. Well, I think it'd be fun once, but, just to to have the experience. But if you play it fairly and by the book, by the time you get to immortality, you'd be like what eight hundred years old. Like by that, that time, at, by that time, age. Do you mean the characters or the players? <laughs> the players. <laughs> no, the DM. Because look at if you look at the experience. I mean, if you actually play normal once a week, whatever play, you're not going to get up the immortality that quickly. It's going to no. be years. Years yeah. upon years. I, I run a lot of groups playing once a week, just making it to fifth level after like ten years. Well, we, we played Book of Sorrows for, what, the last six months, and we got up to like third level? Yeah, well, I wasn't really doing experience points that way. I was kind of just giving you guys experience points based upon role play more than anything else. That's yeah. perfectly fine. At least you got Eep. Exp. XP, yeah. We I'd end, I'm sorry, go ahead. Nothing, go ahead, Glenn. No, I was going to say, I'd end the game and start a new one, same place, different characters, with them as NPCs. You know, it doesn't say the world has to die, just the campaign ends. Hmm. And you've got new, new player, new characters. And the answer is immortality. Well, this is a this is a great discussion to bring to the forums. End game or retirement mortality? Yes. Immortality or not? Yeah. So why don't you yeah. head over to Dragon's Foot, where Glenn will put up a topic. I will. Yes, he will. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Or crispy. I can do it. All right, crispy will do it. I'll do it right now. Oh, cool. Or you can send us. Or you can send us an email at savordiepodcast at gmail That's correct. As we head into random encounters. We take what we want and leave the rest. Just like your salad bar. Nothing up must leave. Crystal! You will come out no more. What? Huh? What will come out no more? Random Encounters. 
So random encounters this week, we have the giant centipede. Raid! Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Just for Liz. Yeah. So since it's a Liz creature, Liz, go ahead and talk about it. Oh, I love giant centipedes. Not. <laughs> <laughs> they eat their. Co- they eat her kobold. <clears throat> I have been killed more often by giant centipedes and other lovely one-quarter hit die creatures <laughs> than anything else ever. It's true. It is true. It's like it's one of those I run, you know, our party runs into. It's like, oh, it's a bunch of whites. No problem. It's like, giant centipedes, run! He's like, oh, we're going to die. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, I noticed that in original and Holmes, uh, the centipede bite was save or die, albeit you got pluses to your saving throw because it's occasionally a weak poison. But Moldvay on, it just made you sick and paralyzed. Yeah, it well, says, yeah, ill for 10 minutes. It does say it's weak. But right, it, it, which it just is, says, it says it's not only always fatal. Yeah, it says in many cases the poison is weak and not fatal. So you add plus yeah. 4 to your saving throw. But if you roll so poorly <clears throat> that you still <laughs> fail your saving throw with a plus 4, then you die anyway. <laughs> die, die, die. Die, 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 die. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, looking at them, you wouldn't think that they're much. You know, they're only a quarter hit die. You know, give them one good hit, more than likely you're going to kill them. But if they manage to bite you, and they generally somehow do manage to always bite me, <laughs> you know, they can kill you as a low-level character. You know, <laughs> I've never run into one, but, you know, centipedes themselves just creep me out. Just by the look of them, so a giant one. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be nasty. running, running away a lot. You know, foot, foot and a half long. Yeah, yeah, just... and and millipedes. I won't even go there about millipedes. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. yeah. So, what ways can we make this creature like more interesting, or how can we tweak it so players can't really figure it out right away? Breathe fire. Wear giant centipedes. <laughs> 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 Where giant centipede? Just step on it. No, oh, giant, yeah. A <laughs> uh, like giant centipede is about as big as like a dog, I'd say. Yeah. Um, undead small centipede? Vampire centipede? Uh, Glad no serious. Actually, one, one method that is rarely mentioned in either the write-ups or modules is, you know, centipedes, like a lot of bugs, cl- climb on walls and ceilings. Yes, they do. So it's Drop very, down on top of them. Yeah, that's a Ugh. perfect way of doing it that they don't expect. That's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Very, and if very... your fighters and stuff are not wearing helmets, you know. <laughs> if and they're wearing, like, plate without a helmet and it climbs inside the plate, ooh. Or the thief has taken off his helmet to listen at a door. Ugh. Uh, yeah. You could have, like, yeah. a... You could you could make it instead of a centipede have like a giant earwig with more or less the same stats, but give it like uh, the rock grub ability to like burrow into their brains. Like a can actually do that. You were watching. You've been watching Night Gallery again, amateur. <laughs> I haven't. I just he was watching Wrath of earwigs. I don't blame you. Were you I watching? Really yeah, Crispy, are you watching Star Trek? How about an maybe? Intel- how about intelligent giant centipedes? What that talk? 
Oh, uh, maybe I don't know. Or well, maybe or not talk, plan. but um, plan. <laughs> yeah, have a limited planning ability. I, I other think, monsters, uh, other monsters could use giant centipedes as either traps or guardians. Yeah, like well, yeah, like I was gonna say odians, but odians don't need yeah. giant centipedes. Yeah. Like kobolds. Yes. <laughs> or have the centipedes, you know, have sort of a group or gestalt mind if they're all together in, you know, this big hive of some kind. So like Oogie Boogie? Yeah, like the more centipedes you run into, the more intelligent they act because they're able to, you know, work well, in concert nice. with one another. I kind of like Glenn's a really wacky idea of having them breathe fire. <laughs> that really was pretty I cool. Yeah. Giant centipedes are dangerous enough as they are. <laughs> they don't need to breathe yeah, but, fire, well, too. <laughs> my philosophy is any monster is more interesting if it breathes fire. Give it like a really cheesy like 1D6 flame throw fire thing. Yeah, out of his butt. No, out of his, yeah. Yeah. Out, out of uh, <laughs> here's another one. Um, give them an ability that if you're attacking them with, say, um, hand-to-hand melee weapons, mm-hmm. give them a chance that if they make a successful to hit, they've gone up your sleeve. Oh, oh. or crawled up your weapon to you. Yeah. Ooh. Or the blood splatters on you. You got the save versus the poison that way too. Yep. Oh, it's another yeah, one. It's uh it's uh, epidermal. Yeah, a, a stink centipede. Oh, and you actually kill that's it, like, a good you idea. Save versus, yeah. yeah, you yeah. kill them, but it's it sets out a noxious gas. Yeah, mm-hmm. out of its butt. Which also it attracts other centipedes if they're in the area. Yeah, even better. I, if I he can shoot out, of, if he can shoot out of his butt, it could fly. <laughs> Flying centipedes. Oh boy, dear God, Glenn's just walking over the edge now. <laughs> but- <laughs> I still I like the idea of uh, intelligent talking centipedes, but like with the ability to plan, and maybe they have like a communion, and then one of them yeah, like is Liz like their designated saying. leader, the centipede king. I'm the centipede <laughs> king. <laughs> they have come to the lair of the centipede king. And then eventually they get opposable thumbs on each of all their legs. I, every time I think of that now, I'm just picturing like the whole Gremlins movie with that one that was able to talk. Gremlins 2. Yeah, the second one when the one was, uh, I'm the gremlin that could talk about wears glasses. <laughs> he had a lab coat. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, boy. So we. You, you break into a room and you see a centipede sitting in a chair reading a book and he looks up. And you yeah. spill his coffee, so he's pissed. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, you know what would be a, a really great place to go for for ideas for giant centipedes? What's that? Pokemon. Yes. <laughs> Centipedeon. Yes. Seriously, you can go to Poke. There actually is a centipede in Pokemon too. Yeah, it's uh, you have Caterpie and then you have Weevil. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> Pokemon, no joke. You can go there and find really cool stuff to add to monsters. Mm-hmm. Stuff you'd never think of. A centipede you that shoots electricity. Running around mushrooms, and as closer it gets, you fire at them. And oh, wait. Uh. What did you say? Lightning centipedes, crispy? Yeah, yeah. a centipede that shoots lightning. That's like it, the uh, freaking laser like it's, beams. It's mandible. Like yes. A Tesla coil. Kind of like laser cats. Yeah. 
Especially with it with armored characters, that would be oh man, armored armored centipedes, giant armored centipedes ridden by kobolds. All right, now we're getting a little weird here. (laughs) (laughs) Only now we are getting a little weird. (laughs) And uh, just to let everyone know, uh, that poll is up for uh, the D and D Endgame on Dragon's Foot. So it'll, it'll you, probably have been up for a couple days after uh, the show comes out. Cool. Good. Good. Why don't you put one up on about centipedes now? Hey. Uh, well. Well. <laughs> I, I think we've exhausted this. Uh, but how do you do it at home? Save it podcast at gmail.com. Whoa. Woo-hoo. Crispy. Or our hotline, which hasn't been mentioned yet today. Five seven zero two nine zero seven two eight three. That's my boy. Chip off the old block. Woo-hoo. Oh, crispy! You're taking the host uh, seat right there. Sorry, I didn't mean to step it's on your coat. Crispy there, show. Say, crispy yeah, show. crispy. Why don't you lead us into the next segment? Go ahead. All right, we're gonna go into uh, products of your imagination. Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. They're right next to you. Well, all you do is we play the characters we talked about earlier when we run around and stuff. I want to show you a trick Mother showed me when you went around. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. I'm attacking the darkness. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination. You're not there. You're getting drunk. You're not going to lead us into the segment, too? Products of imagination. This week we have uh, B12. Already took mine, thank you. have open at the moment. Queen's Harvest. The last of the bees. The killer bees. Yeah, B12. Is it Queen's Harvest? Yeah, Queen's Harvest. Queen's Harvest. With the funky cover. Yeah. Love the cover. I hate that cover. Those bees, I don't know how they could pay those people just to take photos and paint over them. Actually, I kind of like the cover too. Right? I do. Like I the think cover. it's. I think it's hilarious. You've got this huge scene. You know, people fighting. You know, grimacing. Rah, rah, rah. And then right in the center, you've got a, presumably the queen with this expression on her face, like, "Oh dear, I've left a roast in the oven." You know. <laughs> Did I leave the oven on? Yeah. To me, she's just like, "We are not amused." <laughs> you know. Well, she is kind of hot, so. So what's with B12? At, it's just like B11, introductory module for the beginning player. Yeah, but I think it. I think it ramps it up <laughs> a bit the, uh, in the second part. Yeah, but what's the deal with at B12? Now they're making introductory modules all along. They were moving up in level. Now they're going back down in level. I really odd. don't know. I think it. I don't know. To tell you the truth, maybe they got letters saying there wasn't enough introductory modules or something. Anybody got a historical perspective on this? Mike? No, afraid not. Oh darn. Oh, but anyway, nice. I thought they I thought they ended the series with a bang though. Well, yeah, it's a two-parter that that takes off um that bounces off B11 or yeah. it can be a standalone, which is kind of awesome itself too, so. Mm-hmm. So, they do plug B11 quite a lot throughout the introduction. Like yeah. if you haven't played King's Festival, then you should. Yeah. You know, you yeah. really should purchase B eleven. It's best if you would play it after B eleven. And like, so you're hey, in this town. Hey. And so you're in this town. Did we mention you should play B eleven? Yes. 
And I still want to meet Diesel, the guy who made the map. He is a longtime <laughs> map maker for TSR. Uh, I've seen a lot yeah. of his stuff in Dungeon you know and things like that. Mike, next time you, when you go to North Texas RPG Con, you guys, why don't you talk to Frank Menzer and see who Diesel actually is? Okay. Well, we'll ask him and <clears throat> see who he is. That's your, that's your mission at North Texas RPG Con, which is coming up very soon, isn't it? June. Yeah, first weekend of June. Yeah. And if Diesel is listening to this podcast, write in. Think of, uh, did it again. Which I'm sure he is. <laughs> Save it on podcast at gmail.com. You know where we are. Yes. I'd like to, it'd be kind of interesting to talk to him and see, you know, what his process was right. and why he only put yep. Diesel down. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get to the meat of this. Oh, What's go ahead, Mr. Glenn. About? Okay, well, the players are. Uh, whether or not they played B11. <laughs> although they really should. Yes. Although they really should. They're hired by, um, well, actually, they're supposed to be taking a note to this uh, guy in another town who wants them to go down into his basement and get a, a sword and a crown. Some popsicle sticks. <laughs> <laughs> it's really dark down there, Chris. Could you go down and get these for me? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all I can say is that is one hell of a basement. Yeah. I, I love the whole, the, if, if the players haven't played B11, which, yeah, like, and Liz said, which they should be, <laughs> which they should have, he gives them a, a note covered, uh, what was it, a note in the bone case that's sealed, but don't tell the players, don't open it up, especially the lawful characters. Especially yeah. the lawful. <laughs> Remind them of the consequences of opening that up. <laughs> apparently, oh, yeah. apparently, apparently the guy who's who they hired is, uh, they were supposed to bring it to this wizard who conveniently died before they got there. Yeah. Jack Kevorkian. <laughs> yeah, no. Kevorkian. The wizard I saw, Kevorkian. I saw I that too. It was a Kevorkian? And uh, so his heir, which is was this it guy, suicide? Probably. <laughs> this guy with one arm asked him to go clean out his basement, and it's such what a basement it is! It's got like things like a lounge in there, a dining room, kitchens, weapons room. Yeah, what does a wizard have an armory for? See, he used to use the basement. He would rent it out for extra income, and uh, other pensions. people would just sort of would just live there. You know, they had their own kitchenette and everything. And His kids first... really wanted a playroom, but they're yeah. you know they didn't want to add on to the house. Meditation chamber. This is the first module I ever saw that actually came out and said he had a bathroom. <laughs> I was going to say yes. That that's something that very few places really deal with. You yes, know, and it's kind of necessary. One would think. And that he was says, a great bathroom, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he's, and he says, well, uh, you've got to be careful. There's traps down there that you put, out, put down there to keep people out. But they have been, you know, the monsters and stuff, I don't know what's going on. They may have, like, gone crazy or something. That's an understatement. Huh. Uh, Fae yeah. spiders, green slime over a doorway, giant rats, gargoyles. Fae stingers, weren't they? No, well, they have face stingers and face spiders. Okay, there are face spiders too. Yes, okay, I missed that. Zombie guards, um, a rust monster, a rust monster. 
And, Which is uh, what every first to third level party needs to run into. Yes. Well, yeah. Of course, of course. Plus, you've got guys who broke in from another place. What? Thieves? Things like that that are actually working in consort with his butler Not, or something? Yeah. Yeah. I still want yeah. to know why a wizard has an armory. <laughs> I just love for a basement that is apparently so dangerous and hard to get into, you get and, down there, and there's already several people who have gotten in. You know, like, yeah, and it's huge. Yeah. I mean, it is a huge basement. I mean, okay, maybe he had a secret lab down there, but my God, you could like have a family of four in there comfortably. That's it. Like an ogre, there's an owlbear. Oh, yeah. So anyway, the whole upshot is they. It, it hopefully the characters get the stuff back, and they find another note down there, warning them of somebody trying to overthrow these cities. This insane queen. This is where the Queen's Harvest stuff comes in. Right. Which, by the way, this thing is very solidly in Mistara. Yes, very solidly in Mistara. I mean, they talk about Specularum. They talk about Threshold places like that. And this whole insane queen wants to take over these cities and destroy them with her hordes of goblins and orcs and hobgoblins and gnolls and mercenaries and blah, blah, blah. And she's got to keep over here. Would you please go take care of it? And sloths and orangutans and breakfast cereals. (laughs) Yes, that too. But they said that, (laughs) well, we think a small party of uh, adventurers using hit-and-run tactics will wear them down. And I looked at her troops. She has hundreds upon hundreds of troops. But you guys will do fine. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, okay, all of a sudden they're guerrilla fighters. Well... Yeah, okay, but could you cut down the odds a little, baby? <laughs> Please. Um, that's why I said, like, in the second half, it really ramps it up for, like, what, first to third levels? Yeah. I think they're assuming you're going to be third level by the time you hit the second part of this module. Well, At least everyone half. except, like, the elf, uh, the elf starts off at second level. Yeah. The, uh, the pre-gen NPCs, or pre-gen yeah. NPCs, rather, sorry. Uh, yeah. So you have, like, a, a first-level elf and a third-level magic user. But everyone else is, like, second-level. I think fifth-levels would have a hard time with that with the second half, personally. I think it depends on whether you're going to, you know, use your brain or just charge in. That's true. They, they do have... They if you charge have... in, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, they say, they say something about uh, the orcs being the low men on the totem poem. You can win them over. They could mm-hmm. help you. Again, lots of role-playing opportunities throughout this. Oh, thing. especially the uh, – I meant to jump in with the dinner situation. When uh-huh. you get to sit down to dinner and you ask questions back and forth. Yeah. That's a great role-play scene right there. It is. You know, though the whole thing in the house felt more Victorian-y than, than medieval. But Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, like to go I, down I was to- just waiting for them afterwards to go have cigars to, to <laughs> offer, you know. But they do have the the wine, you know, or the whiskey I, or whatever, you know. I do like the fact that the, after they come back from the basement, the guy who hired him now has two arms. Yeah, ta-da! <laughs> and they just go, "Oh, it's oh, it's magic." Where'd it, you get that arm? Uh, he always had that arm, didn't he? Uh-huh. Kept it in love. Oh, so uh, a mage came through. He just did that for me. Yeah. So we got a pretty much a simple recovery. Uh, go f- role play and recover an item and figure something out. 
Modular. And storm a castle yep. with... I mean, I was thinking of the Charge of the Light Brigade while I was reading this. Yeah. Yes. And the item recovery, you're also playing against time, too. Right. You know, yes. he, he really wants you to come back within 48 within, hours. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, you still can come back after that, but, you know, you get more bennies if you can do it within the time frame that he requests. And he will be forever grateful, so... Yeah. Take it that what you will. Uh, so for ratings wise, let's start with Liz. I really like it. Um, one of my one of my quibbles, at least with the first part of it, is you know you finally get to the main treasure room down in the basement, and there's an awful lot of magical items that you can find as first level characters. That for me, it's a bit much. I wouldn't have that much magic made available, you know, so quickly to uh, low-level characters. I tend and the, to. And the guy like who a, hired him. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, and the guy who hired them. It's like, oh, you don't have a staff of healing here. Use this staff of healing. You know, it's <laughs> like you you get a lot of magic, which you know may work out very well for you know other campaigns, but for me personally, I think there's a little too much magic, you know, given away as treasure here. Um, but apart from that minor quibble, I really do, you know, like the way it was set up. I like the way it was written um, for first-time dungeon masters. Yeah. You know, they give you lots of good ideas on, you know, how to pace your game, you know, what you should do. Um so I would give it, I'll give it four dragons. Yay. Mike. On the whole, I thought it was good. Um, certainly had a lot of potential. I did have several quibbles, um, but they weren't anything you know, big enough for me to not necessarily like it. But there was some railroading at the beginning of the first adventure yeah. that kind of irritated me. I, I don't like the idea of things that, you know, oh, okay, your character has the ability to find secret doors on a one and two, but you can't find this one. <laughs> that just seems lame to me. I bet you could find it if you played B11. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, you should have played B11. B11. If you had, you would have found that secret door, but since you yeah. did um, the only railroading I really noticed was at the beginning of the second adventure. You know, at the end of the first adventure, they offer you the job to go do the thing against the queen. If you say no, you know, it suggests that you have the, you know, monsters and other evil NPCs keep attacking the party until they agree to do it. <laughs> yes. It's like, Jeez! <laughs> yeah, and this was done in 1989, so it's really starting that period of TSR, you know, uh, railroading, I think. Yeah. Um, Second edition is coming along soon, or is it already out now at this point? 89, it would have been either out or just about to come out, I think. Glenn? Yeah, I believe you're right. You're right. It's right around that sweet spot time where 2E is on the horizon. Mm. Um, but, you know, what problems I have with the adventures are, are very minor. I mean, they're fixable. So, but I'd say, I'd say three dragons. 
three dragons. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like stingy with his dragons. Yeah. Chris, oh, well, well, there's just some things that I just felt were jarring in in the in both adventures that okay. just kind of it, they could be fixed with work, but they stick in my craw. <laughs> Crispy. Yo. What do you think? I, I didn't read it. I didn't get a chance to. I have food poisoning <sighs> this week. Oh. Did you read B11? I didn't. I wasn't there for that show. Oh, well, then. You should have read B11. B11 is just B11 so is much better. Bros. Crispy like, is abstaining because he was uh, sick, so we have to excuse him. Uh, Glenn. I keep thinking that, like, B12 was the lost leader to B11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care if you buy this, but go buy B11. Um, I give it four. Yeah. Because, I, and also, uh, four with a caveat. Um, I don't have any problem them the players going down at low levels and cleaning out that basement. But I wish it was some way I could split it up where they get a few adventures in before they went and, like, storm the keep. Because even with guerrilla tactics, they're going to really kind of get decimated unless they know how to roleplay real well. Although I suppose that might be a rationalization for all the magic that was available <coughs> in the first yeah. adventure. That's true. And it's you like guys are going to need it. <laughs> yes. uh, although I wouldn't, de- I wouldn't deny them the staff of healing, believe me. <laughs> From what I saw, yeah, give them the staff of healing at least. So I give them four dragons. Yeah. How about you, Vince? I'm going to go with Four Dragons on this one as well because I, I like it because it's a nice introductory module for beginning players. Uh, it's, it's like another DM Bible in the beginning telling you how to pace things. Like Liz said, I do like the fact that I said role-playing already, but I do like the role-playing aspect. But I didn't like the typos in there that I found here and there. That oh, there annoys me. There were some hilarious typos. Yeah. You know, talking about, you know, there's these two female thieves that you wind up, you know, uh-huh running into and at one point they're saying you know one of them she could become a rusty and brave companion for the PCs. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's almost oh. as good as as uh, the thief picking jocks so <laughs> <laughs> so you give it four two yeah I, I like the fact that tsr is like if you haven't read b11 you should now <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like they start a plugging campaign in the middle of all this stuff yeah. This They're not selling okay. enough B11s. Yeah. So. This what what part? Okay, but you yeah. really should go buy B11. <laughs> well, considering that B12 was the last of the Bs, maybe people weren't buying enough B11s. Maybe. Uh, one thing that st- that got me thinking of you, Vince, was the fact that they actually came out and said, we don't have a whole lot of box text in this one, so you're going to have to make it up as you go along. Yes. I liked that. I love that. that. I love Their first time ever coming out and admitting it. Yep. And I Just do make up your own flavor text. And I do enjoy the cover because it's it's just hilarious. Yeah. So four, 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 and three. The answer is three. No. <laughs> the answer is five. Four and a half. Four. That four and a half. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, you can easily pick this one up off of um, blah, 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 blah. Amazon. I'm looking at it right now, twenty nine ninety nine, which is pretty steep for a module. Cheaper than B ten. Well, yeah. Cheaper than cheaper than B eleven, which you should buy too. Yes. Of course. <laughs> well, two collectibles on Amazon for a hundred and fifty dollars. Yow. Yikes. 
Just check or, out your local half-price books. Yeah, I was just you may say. find it there. <laughs> or eBay. Yeah. And I'm looking at the reviews on here. There's all one five-star and two four-star reviews. Everybody keeps saying, this is the best module ever written. Why would you give it four <laughs> stars then if it's the best one written? Morons. Because they're because they're gaming grognards, and it's the best one like ever anything. written. But it could still use a lot of work. Oh, wait. That's me, isn't it? Yeah, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> best module ever written. Needs yeah. more cowbell. Bing! <laughs> I got a fever. Yes? More doc. More docker. Oh. Well, I think that's going to end the show this week. We're going on that road. Down the lonely highway, skipping along as Glenn is doing what this week? Um, well, I'm hand in hand with that queen from the cover of B12, and her keep telling me I should buy B11, but I ignore <laughs> her, so I just keep going. Yeah. As we go off toward the castle, we need to have cleared out. That's yeah, right. Hours. With our right. with our rip shirt with, and... with 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 our giant centipede in tow and on a leash. With with crispy riding the centipede. Hex, yeah. Yeah, Trask riding the centipede. Trask. And yeah. Liz toasting marshmallows from the centipede's fire breath. From his butt. From his butt. Because <laughs> Glenn said the fire's going on his that's butt. That's where it's coming from. <laughs> Centipede. I choose you. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a little trask in there for you. All right, folks, have a good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Free arc. If you have any comments, please email saveordiepodcast at gmail.com or visit saveordie at saveordie.info. Follow the cast on Facebook slash Save or Die Podcast, or follow them on Twitter at The Evil DM. <laughs>